Today on Crawl Call, it's a celebration of the premiere of the new digital series, Winterthorn. And the stars of Winterthorn are here with us to party. Martha Madison, Kathleen Gaddy, Gordon Thompson, Michael Caruso, and John Paul Lavoisier give us the inside story on their characters. And a party wouldn't be a party without some music. So grab yourself a helping of your favorite candy and get ready for a Winterthorn kickoff celebration. Because that's what's coming up today on Crawl Call. Everybody, welcome to another edition of Kroll Call. Let me tell you here at the top of the show, this is not just another regular episode of Kroll Call, although I am your regular host, Dan Kroll. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This is going to be one of those shows that I love so much. It's an interview slash music show. We're going to be celebrating the premiere of the hot new digital series, Winterthorn. Some of the stars of the series will be dropping by to chat with me all hour, and they've also been asked to share with us a song that they think best describes their Winterthorn character. I mean, you can't have a party without any music, right? So let's get this Winterthorn show kicked off with the man who, without him, there would be no Winterthorn. He's the creator of the series. He also appears on screen as one of the characters. That's something it sounds like I would do. I'd find a way to wheedle myself in there. He's also an Emmy nominee, Michael Caruso. Welcome to Kroll Call. Hello, Dan Kroll. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you having me here. I'm excited about this. There's so much buzz about Winterthorn, and I'm not just talking because the first episode is available. We've had buzz, we, like I'm part of it, but you have had buzz about this ever since the first photo of the process sort of was released to the internet. How has this been for you, having all of this buzz? It's been surreal. I have to be really honest. I think that no matter how long you do this or no matter what you do, it always feels like the first time. I know that sounds cheesy, but you, I always try to not be one of those people that rests on their laurels. So I'm, it, it, and it's a new show, it's a new cast, it's a new concept. So it's, uh, it's always a little scary going out there hoping that the audience resonates with it and gets it and likes it and maybe even loves it. So it's, it's been overwhelming in a very positive way. The support that we've gotten from you know, people like you, the soap press, the fans, other performers, it's been it's just been incredible. I couldn't I couldn't have wished for a better rollout for the show. So you are the candy man. I guess folks who've seen the first episode of Winter Candy Man. They're gonna understand what that means. Let's talk about the creative process. How did the idea for Winterthorn come about? How does the mind of Michael Caruso sort of uh, come up with an idea and go from that little uh, sugar grain of an idea to a full-fledged, you know, candy factory here? I think that, uh, like anything I've ever worked on, I typically get inspired by people that I've had in my life. And, uh, and like you, I'm very, I was, she passed away, but I was very close to my grandmother and she loved candy. She was this tiny little thing, but she absolutely loved candy. And we used to sit in her she had like a finished garage up in Buffalo, New York, and we used to sit out there and eat bags and bags of those pyramid leaf candies. Yes. 
and gumdrops and, and you know we just talk and eat candy together and I loved the idea. I wanted to do something different from Divanity. I wanted to do something that really hadn't been done before. And I loved the idea of taking something happy and innocent like candy and kind of giving it a dark undercurrent. What if there's something in the candy? What if we explain that there's more to it and build this big family dynamic around it? And that was really the birth of it. Um, I wanted to do something that was a little fantastical, something that was a little whimsical, something that you don't see every single day. What I love about Winterthorn is that it's got all of the traditional elements of a soap opera that people love. You've got the family, you've got the power struggles, but there is a really, you know, it's it's a what I would call a grounded fantasy. There's no mermaids or unicorns or anything. It's, it's just fantastical enough, but it's also believable enough that maybe there is a family out there somewhere that's capable of all these mysterious things. No mermaids and no unicorns. Okay, click. Change no, not channel. in season one anyway. I'm hoping. Maybe maybe season two. You never know. <laughs> uh, now, I have to address the fact you mentioned my grandmother. I think if my Nana were listening to this, she would say, Why the hell are you talking about me? Even yep. though that's not how she sounds, but I, I had to say that for her. So, you've got Winterthorn. You've got the show out there. But rewinding just a little bit, there was a red carpet premiere earlier this month. I mean, a red yeah. carpet, Michael. That must have been really kind of cool to have that. It was It was the first one that we've ever done, and Steve Silverman and Jim Canella were really great. They were the hosts of the evening. It was at the Renberg Theater, <clears throat> and it was probably one of the hottest days that it could have happened on. I mean, I was saying, if you, if you go back and look at all the wire images, I'm sweating buckets. Uh, it was... It was really surreal to have everybody there. You know, when you film, you're not filming with the entire cast. You have a person here, a person there. So getting everybody in the same room together was really exciting. And you could feel the energy. And, and the fans were there and, you know, our friends and colleagues. And it was, it was a very exciting event. And we had a great time. And it was funny. I was such a nervous wreck. I was actually sitting outside in the lobby during the actual screening. And John Paul Lavoisier walked out. And uh, we spent the entire time pretty much chatting it up. It was great because I love John Paul. He's an amazing guy. He's hilarious. And, and I was like, I hate these events. They always make me crazy. And he was laughing. So uh, it, was, it was a really fun night. And I'm glad that everybody had a good time. It's a good time had by all, I think. You mentioned the cast. We'll talk to John Paul later. We have Martha Madison also joining us later in the show. Talk about this cast. Some amazing people are a part of Winterthorn. It, it was one of those instances, it was like lightning in a bottle, where all of the perfect people just came together and said yes and gave it 150%. I, I truly am so grateful that everybody that I, that I really, really wanted was willing to come on board. You know, you don't do a web series for the money. You do it because you love the project and hopefully you love the writing and you know, Martha Martha was just this brilliant cornerstone and she really just she really anchored the project and brought so much to it and she gave it hundred and fifty percent and she was so committed to the work and then you got, you know, your eighties superstars like Linda Gray and Gordon Thompson from Dallas and Dynasty and, and they just brought all of their years of street cred and they just they just delivered these spectacular performances. And then you've got, you know, people like Kathleen Gatti and Jean-Paul Lavoisier and Kirsten Storms and, you know, and, and even our non-celebrity actors, you know, m myself and Josh Thrower and Ron Hanks. Everybody really just 
they all chipped in and they all did a brilliant job, and I, I couldn't be prouder or more excited for people to see their work. For folks who have not yet tuned in to check out the first episode, we, you know, we were secretly scolding them. I'm shaking and wagging my finger at them right now. I know. I'm very, I'm very disappointed in them privately. But it's only been a day. Maybe they're going to you know, know. tune in and, and watch over the, over the course of the weekend. Give them, uh, not the hard sell, I guess the, the sort of the, the synopsis. Just give them an idea of some of this stuff that they can expect from Winterthorn so that we can nudge them a little bit more to uh, checking out the first episode sooner. Sure. So Winterthorn is about a family that's controlled by the female members of the family. It's a matriarchal society, and they run a multi-billion dollar candy business. But there's something in the candy which has helped them stay in power for hundreds of years. And we basically see Martha Madison, who plays Miranda Winterthorn. She's the lead of the show. And we basically see her evolution over 10 years from when she's young to when she's in control of this company. And we we do it via a current storyline running concurrently with flashbacks. And we see all of the people that have come in and out of her life. And we see her family. We see uh, her, you know, aunts and sister and, and love interests over the years. And we see all of these people come together to kind of create who she is today. So... Um, it's it's a little fantastical. It's, it's it's a lot of things have been flipped on, and the, the husbands are really kind of like the, the wives in this scenario because the women call all the shots. And there's tons of candy everywhere you look, and it's it's very beautiful and very um, very heartfelt in a lot of places, and a little scary in other places. So I'm hoping everybody tunes in to give it a shot and you know try something a little bit different that's off the beaten path. You're not just the man behind the candy curtain. You are, as I mentioned earlier, also appearing on screen as Victor Winterthorn. Tell me a little bit yeah. about this character. Victor was a servant who was deeply, deeply, madly in love with Miranda. And Miranda, uh, on the show, the women choose their husbands. It's not the other way around. And mm-hmm. Miranda chooses him. She falls in love with him, and she chooses him to be... Uh, her husband, which is kind of surprising within the family because uh, there was another person that was kind of groomed to be her husband. So it was a big controversy that she picked me. Um, And he's a master candy maker, and he's absolutely in love with his wife, and he stands by her side even when we see him get very visibly frustrated with her. And it's one of my favorite elements of the show that, that we see two people that are very much in love with each other and very much stand by each other and and try to deal with all of the struggles that that are thrown at them and they're always very loyal to each other. And I really wanted to show a soap couple that it wasn't necessarily just about looks. It was about something a little bit deeper and to to kind of explore the loyalty of those those people. So so Victor is just, Victor is the the husband that just kind of sits there and is like, my wife is doing some not so nice things, but I got to figure out a way to be supportive. So it's it's a very fun character to play because he's got a lot of a lot of uh, issues to work around within his marriage. Now, for those of you out there who are listening along to the show, this week we're going to be doing something a little different. After our guests tell us about their characters and they talk about Winterthorn, they're also going to have us cue up a song that they think best describes their character or maybe Winterthorn as a whole. So. With that, Michael Caruso, what song have you picked? I have picked, uh, it's 
It's a song that kind of sums up the relationship between Victor and Miranda. I have picked Stuck on You by Lionel Richie. It's an oldie but a goodie, and I think it really describes their relationship in a nutshell. What's your favorite candy that is sticky? I'm assuming it's going to go back to the mint spearmint, spearmint leaves. Uh, I love spearmint leaves. I love gumdrops. I'm like you, Dan. I'm, I'm, I love candy. So I, and I love gummy cola bottles. I think we talked about that once. I love gummy cola bottles. Can I make a confession? It's my show. I can do whatever I want. But can I make a confession yeah, that will probably yeah. knock your socks off? I'm not really what a candy your- eater. I don't really eat a lot of candy outside of the fact that I'm a snack food person. and I don't really eat a lot of candy. Isn't that amazing? I'm so disappointed in you right now. Oh, my God. I like I thought, it. I thought all this time we had a candy bond. Well, we do. I like I mean, I eat candy, and I'll, <laughs> but I'm not sitting here eating, you know, uh, Swedish fish all day. I'm not eating Hershey bars no, all and day. No, and I don't do that either. My, my metabolism uh, made me stop doing that years ago. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I, I'm like you. Like, if, if I enjoy it, I'll tell you this. After working on Winterthorn, if I never eat another piece of candy again, it will be too soon. <laughs> okay, so I'm already predicting Winterthorn Season 2 is the vegetarian edition. They will move into a, a carrot factory or something. I don't know. Exactly. All of their teeth fall out, and they all get diabetes, so they all have to start eating vegetables. So let's, before we get into this song, let everyone know how they can keep up with you and how they can keep up with Winterthorn. Where do they need to go? What do they need to do? Sure. Winterthorn streams for free. There is no charge for Winterthorn 24 hours a day at www.winterthorn.com. You can follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Winterthorn1. You can follow me as an actor if you're interested, M. Caruso Actor. Um, and uh, you can follow us on Facebook as well. We've got a Facebook page. So hopefully you'll follow. Twitter's the best way to get a hold of us, but hopefully you'll come and watch the show. You can stream it whenever you want. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking some time out here to talk about Winterthorn on our little premiere kickoff party. So much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all of your support. You guys have been absolutely amazing. I'm very grateful to you for it. Well, we are certainly right there for you. But now I have to put on my dancing shoes to go dancing on the ceiling with Stuck on You by Lionel Richie. Let's take a listen, and we'll be back with more on Curl Call. Stuck on Got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose Guess I'm on my way Needing a friend And the way I feel now I guess I'll be with you till the end Guess I'm on my way Mighty glad you stayed Stuck on you Been a fool too long I guess it's time for me to come on home Guess I'm on my way So hard to see That a woman like you Could wait around for a man like me Guess I'm on my way Mighty glad you stayed
troubles and I throw them all away. Cause this time, little doctor, I'm coming home to stay. Got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm on my way. Needing a friend, and the way I feel now, I guess I'll be with you till the end. Guess I'm on my way. Mighty glad you stayed. My next guest this week plays the role of Miranda Winterthorne. On Winterthorne, you may also know her as Belle Black on Days of Our Lives, a role she will be reprising this fall. And she's also one of the hosts of Soapbox with Lily and Martha. I think uh, this is her third visit to the show here. Martha, is this it is? number three? I think it's visit three, maybe four. I don't know. Somewhere in there. You know, I'm an old pro with you now, Dan. <laughs> I like I like an old pro. It makes me, uh, yeah, that's sort of what I need in my life. But you're never old. Never, never old. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so we're going to go back in time a little bit here because now Winterthorne's first episode debuted online yesterday at winterthorne.com, but you attended a big, big red carpet premiere back earlier this month on the 16th. What mm-hmm. was it like to see all of this playing out on a big screen in a theater. It must have been sort of surreal. <laughs> surreal is one word for it. Um, I, you know, I was super excited because we've been working on this since, gosh, October of 2014. So it was almost a full gestational period. Uh, and I was just ready to kind of get it out there and see people's responses. But walking into the theater and seeing all those people there, I really was just kind of nauseous. <laughs> just nervous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I guess if you, that means you couldn't have any popcorn or any jujubes or anything like that if you, had, if you were crazy. I know. And there was no liquor, Dan. And there was no liquor. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of performers My don't. daughter is saying hello. Hi. <laughs> Do you hear Charlie? She's saying E-I-O-O-O. I love it. Put her, let's let's do the interview with her instead. No, but a lot of people don't like to watch themselves on screen. Are you one of those right. folks, or are you okay with that? You know, there's always a difference between showing something that was made for a computer screen on a giant screen. So, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, it was a little bit different that way. I don't like to see, you know, my giant face talking on this giant screen. You know, it's weird. It's weird. I'd much prefer to be on your laptop. So. <laughs> I'd like to have you on my laptop, too. I'm sure that would be oh my God. <laughs> just amazing. Uh, so, rewinding back, you'd said that you know this all started in October 2014, so we're almost mm-hmm. a year ago. How did you yeah. become involved? How did the talk begin? How were you approached about being in Winterthorne? You know, uh, Michael and I and Barbie all met at the Daytime Emmys last year in 2014. Um, And I had just had my child, and it was sort of my first big outing. 
um, Lily and I were covering the press room, and we got to meet Michael. And I had heard about Michael and Divanity, uh, his other project, through the grapevine for a long time. So I was really excited to meet them, and they were just really funny, you know. <laughs> and I love hanging out with people who have a great sense of humor. So I feel like we all clicked pretty well um, right away, and then we sort of hooked up on social media, and then he reached out to me. Um, on Facebook some random day and said, hey, I'm thinking about this project and I really like your energy and I really think that you might be right for this role and when can we meet? So we went and had lunch, uh, all three of us, and had a great conversation. He sort of pitched me the concept and he pitched me some different um, ideas that he had for casting and for <laughs> setups and how it would, you know, it was just really exciting to me. I could tell that it was a really developed character in his mind and um, and that uh, it was going to be a really dynamic character to play, you know, not just this one-note chick. You know, <laughs> she's, she's many, many different women uh, throughout the process of, of seeing Winterthorne. So, of course, I said yes, and as we got going, you know, I we, we really got to collaborating, and um, he really welcomed me into a lot of the creative decisions, and we decided... Um, well, he decided that he wanted to make me an executive producer, which is incredibly flattering. And of course, that was a yes, too. And it just, we just became a really good team putting this together, um, also with uh, Steve Silverman and Jim Canella, um, uh, also our other two executive producers. And we came together and made this thing. And, it just, uh, you know, I think the buzz started with that first poster. Yes. Uh, do you remember the poster with the feathers? We took that. My, stop it, Charlie. We, sorry. We took that picture um, on the rooftop of Michael and Barbie's apartment building. Um, and Barbie is an incredible photographer. Uh, and she, you know, made it look nicer than it looked <laughs> originally, a.k.a. photoshopping all of my wrinkles. Thank you very much. And um, that picture went out into the you know, the online universe and just got everyone talking about it. And we just tried to maintain that um, buzz, you know. So it's just, I'm really happy that we're finally getting to a place where we get to show everybody what this has really been all about. Transitioning to a, a completely different topic just for a second. The last time you were here, you was, uh, said that you were raising a baby president. What are you yes. raising? What are you raising today back there? <laughs> uh, today, I think I'm raising a baby uh, Aretha Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> she's I got. She's so loud. Yes, <laughs> that's so funny. I don't know what letters she was screaming. It's not R E S P E C T, but it's something. She is no, spelling it's something. It's not. It's B I N G O. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so. We'll we'll work on a bingo song for uh, for Aretha. Maybe she'll she'll come up with something. So, beyond all of that, we need to find out more about Miranda. Just briefly, you know, for folks who haven't checked out Winterthorn yet, you really need to do so after this interview is done. But how would you say? How would you describe Miranda to folks who haven't yet tuned in, or maybe who have tuned in and sort of uh, want to get what your take is on this character? Miranda is, uh, you know, she's someone who has to, who has to learn how to uh, take care of herself and her family. And, uh, you know, just like any woman out there uh, who may have to juggle multiple roles, you know, being the mom and being the businesswoman and being a loving wife and, 
you know, she's managing all of those regular things, but under the most excruciating of circumstances. So she's, she's someone who uh, is being pushed to her absolute limits. And I think when anybody gets to a place that, uh, you know, a, a threshold of theirs, you know, in, in some part of their life, you get to see what that person's really made of. And I think this is a, a 10-year discovery, personal discovery for Miranda of what she's really capable of doing. Um, does that make sense? She's very strong. She's very conflicted. She's very um, loving. She's very uh, afraid of failure. Hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we all struggle with on a daily basis. I was going to say, I'm at that threshold every day, I think. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> it's a soap, so you can go even further. <laughs> and you get to wear some really, really fun clothing out, uh, outside of all oh, of yeah. that. <laughs> I think the uh, hair and makeup and clothing, the whole styling of the thing is really the, the star of the show. It's really just so beautiful and um, and really unique. And, I, you know, it's... Uh, we're setting some trends with feathers, and <laughs> it's all good. You also have some great co-stars, one that I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are certainly talking about, Linda Gray. Uh, what was that like for you? Uh, again, folks can see all of this on screen, so we're not telling you anything that you don't know. And if you're not up on Winterthorn, you need to go over there and check it out now, winterthorn.com. But let's let Martha explain yeah. what it was like working with Linda. Well, it's, you know, I grew up watching Dallas every Friday night, Dallas and Falcon Crest, with my mother. Um, mm-hmm. That was like our Friday night activity. And, um, you know, so when I found out that they got Linda Gray to play my mother, I was so, I was just ecstatic and just, uh, but so scared, like nervous. I was really, really nervous. And, um, and so when they put the schedule together, of course, Linda Gray is my first day. Uh, it's our first day shooting, and wow. I'm going to be working with her first. So it's like, great. Well, <laughs> there's no time to warm up. You know, let's just, <laughs> let's just get in there and just do it. And, you know, it could have gone one of many ways, but because she was just so normal and so kind and so professional and just really funny and just, you know, just a normal, fun wonderful person um she made everybody just feel at ease right away and we just got to work um and she is just an absolute professional and super sweet it is now time to find out which song martha has picked out that best (laughs) represents her character or winterthorn as a whole I have been waiting for this through the whole interview i really could have just skipped ahead to this to find out what it is that you picked so Okay, well, I picked this song for a couple of reasons. Okay. Um, mainly because I know everyone else that you talk to at Winter's Born is going to pick some song about candy. <laughs> so I wanted to be different. Um, but secondly, because I actually have a real love for this song. When I was five years old, I, um, which was in 1982, I'll just say it, um, I got my very first uh, vinyl album, and it was by this band, and I won it in a popcorn stringing contest for Christmas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's both a personally great song and a song that absolutely is about Miranda's journey, and it is Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. What an amazing song. I approve. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> 
So before we take a listen to that, let's let you give everyone the information of how they can find you and how they can track you down on social media and all that fun stuff. And then we'll, we'll take a listen to some Eye of the Tiger. Awesome. Um, well, before I do that, thank you so much for having us on, Dan, and thanks for covering Winter Thorn. You can find me on Twitter at Marth27. You can also find me every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific on pradiov.com. That's where we do uh, Soapbox with Lily and Martha. And you can see all of the episodes over the next four weeks of Winterthorn by going to winterthorn.com. And don't forget, when you see it and you love it, tell a friend. Share the, share the news. Spread it on social media like wildfire. Well, Eye of the Tiger, I think of Rocky. I'm here in Philadelphia. I'm going to run out of the studio, run up the art museum steps, punch some frozen meat. But, Martha, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks again. All right, gang, let's take a listen to Eye of the Tiger. My next guest here on our Curl Call Winterthorn premiere party is a lovely woman who plays an often naughty doctor on General Hospital. In Winterthorn, she plays the role of Valentina Winterthorn, and Kathleen Gatti is here today to tell us more about her alter ego, and we can find out more about what goes on in Valentina's mind. Kathleen, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Thank you. The alter ego. So Valentina has no Dr. O accent. She doesn't speak like this. She is. Well, we, <laughs> it was funny. It's like no accent. Okay, let's see. Mm. <laughs> we won't hold that against her. So it's better. <laughs> no, I do a lot of accents, and when I don't do accents, it's always it's like strange. How do I speak with my own voice? <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching the extended trailer when it was first released on Winterthorn.com, mm-hmm. and you know, it's one of those things where when. You know, I fully am fully aware that the Dr. Obrecht accent is not your own voice, but when someone speaks differently, it's you're like, wait a minute, who is this woman, and what did she do with Kathleen? <laughs> she ate her. You know. <laughs> it may not be surprising. It's been a big month for you. There's a General Hospital fan club event, the red carpet premiere for Winterthorn. It sounds like this has been a great, great month. It's been a great month, and work-wise too. I've I've done some some projects. Uh, I just finished. I, I actually just won a couple of awards with this film I did called Lifeline, and was nominated for Best Actress in at the New York City International Film Festival for another film called A Play on Words. So that's pretty exciting. And I just did a very 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 exciting new project for AMC, but I can't say what it is. And because uh, <laughs> I'll get shot, <laughs> uh, that that big NDA non-disclosure agreement I just signed—that that pretty well. Uh, I can't say anything, but it was fantastic. I'm extremely excited about that. And the fan club event and the, and the fans are just always awesome. The General Hospital fans—they just make all the hard work for whatever we're doing. You know, just just so worth everything. They, they're just so lovely, and it's it's always a pleasure to see them. So yeah, it's been and a lot of the fans showed up at the screening for Winterthorn, so that was very exciting. With the fan club, with the fan club weekend, I'm wondering, you know, someone certainly that is oh, lovable and and the heroine on the show would probably get one sort of fan reaction. There's always that risk. <laughs> I wonder if if it's a not so nice character, if fans come up and and shake their finger and scold you. What is it like? What what sort of reactions do you get? Honestly, the fans have been f- fabulous. They come up, you know, initially they're like, hmm, you're mean. That was three years ago. And over the years with the writing and and uh, the humor, you know, that's been injected, mm-hmm. infused into all the evilness and the humor and the campiness and the silliness and the playfulness and the singing and the dancing, I think they have learned to love Obrecht from what I understand and from how I've been perceived and what people have told me. So it's been a very heartwarming experience to be accepted with a role like this. I was in All My Children back in 8990, uh, briefly, and for a couple of months, and I remember walking through Bloomingdale's, and, and I was li- literally attacked by a few women saying, you are such a bitch, <laughs> because I was playing this very evil <laughs> role, and I thought, oh, this isn't nice at all. I don't want to be recognized. People don't like me. <laughs> it's not nice. But now, flash forward 25, six years, and the people, it just, the response, towards the character, towards Dr. Obrick is really, really touching. And I'm hoping with a character that I'm portraying on Winterthorn, uh, Valentina, that I have, I have um, Valentina Winterthorn, that I, I'm able to bring the audience to understand her and care for her, even though she might be rather possibly dark character. Well, well. that's what I, I wanted to ask because, yeah. um, you know, Winterthorn, it's going to be rolled out in multiple episodes and we haven't quite yet seen you in in what we've 
gotten to see online. So with Muta Liso Obrecht, we know what we've got <laughs> going there. But now you've got another character that I have to say, it's an equally powerful sounding name. Valentina Winterthorpe. Valentina, lovely name. It really she is. is she what is can a you tell powerful us? powerful woman and force to be reckoned with. I'm only in the second episode, actually. And uh, I know you guys have seen one, and I'll be in the next one coming up. But um, they, they talked about doing some more in the future, but right now there's one episode and work with some wonderful, wonderful actors, Martha Madison and Gordon Thompson and a bunch of, and, and just, just great people. I won't even name them all because you know who they are. And, and Sonia uh, Biangiardi, uh, I'm sorry, Sonia Biangiardo rec- directed us. And it, just, just a great group of people. And the character that I play, she's, she's very strong, a lot of depth. A lot of history, unlike Dr. Obrecht, who just nasty. <laughs> no history, that's who she is. Born like that, going to die like that. But uh, this, this woman is much more complicated and complex. And, and that, that I, I love all these interesting characters. It's, it's just so fun to do something different. Like you said, how is it, do the fans treat you mean, you know, or are they angry? And I, I was thinking about that just now. I'm going, you know, when I'm mean, and, and then people get to meet me, and I'm like, hi, and I give them hugs, I'm smiling, because I love them, and they love me, and I'm like, this is so much fun, and they're like, oh, you're not mean, I'm like, no, I hope not, ask my husband, maybe he'll think so, but sometimes, but <laughs> eat your spinach, yes, I mean, eat your spinach, so, no dessert for you, but it's, it's nice to, to be able to play opposites and different things, and I really think all of us human beings, we all have different colors and ourselves and different personalities and different temperaments and I'm sure when you're squishing that bug you know that evil dark side comes out in anybody so I, I'm, I'm able to use that between us <laughs> now my, between us my evil side comes out when I'm hungry Kathleen oh angry it's called hangry I, I read that somewhere uh, <laughs> next to hangry in the dictionary is a picture of me I'm very unpleasant <laughs> when I'm hungry most men are too. I I I get kind of growly too, but um, but most most men I've noticed in my life, my dad and my husband, they're like, if they're not fed, when they get kind of snarly, I'm going, it must be close to feeding time. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, it's something that popped into my mind. There's a whole lot of candy in Winterthorn. Do oh, yeah. you have a favorite candy that you're willing to share with us? Well, sharing the candy, I'd like to know the name, but if you have candy, I'll gladly take candy that you might be giving out, too. Um, I'm not giving out candy, but in general, I'm not a big candy or chocolate person. I'm pastry, love cookies. I even had a cookie business in, in Europe because I, I just thought that was so much fun. Um, so, no, but candy, my favorite thing is red licorice. Red licorice, that's also tasty. I approve of that as well. I'm going to yeah. look for some of that after the like, show. You know, red vines, movie theaters, you know, stuff you eat. Uh, they give you in the theaters or, or long red licorice. I've always loved that since I was a kid. Or black licorice or red licorice. Somehow that, those are kind of things that make me, make me smile. So how did you become involved in Winterthorn? What drew you to the project? How did this come into your universe? Actually, uh, the Debbie O'Connor uh, does mm-hmm. my events, my General Hospital Fan Club events, and she introduced me to Martha Madison, and we did a soapbox interview. And Martha Madison is the star of, of Winterthorn, and she asked Debbie if she would talk to me if I would uh, be, consider being in it, which was very fun. And I, I read the script, and I went, oh, this is good. This is a good role. I'm always looking for interesting, challenging roles. And I, I agreed to do it, and that's how they got to me. So 
really is thanks to Debbie O'Connor and Martha Madison who hooked me in. And then I met Michael Caruso, who wrote it and stars in it, and his wife, Barbie Caruso, and they produced it, and they did such a great job. I mean, I commend them for the hard work, the, the love and passion that went into it. It's fantastic. It's, it's really exciting when you see young filmmakers, and, and, and you see them, and they do these, and their heart and souls into it. I know that many years ago I was producing, and I was pulling projects together and getting people together. Now I just want to do the acting, and I'm very happy with that. But... It, it, there's so much hard work that goes into a project to be done. It's incredible. I mean, every single piece of candy that goes into this film, every single, or into the series, I'm sorry, the web series, but every every little thing that goes into it is phenomenal amount of work. Mm-hmm. And, and it was well-directed and well-produced and well-acted and pulling everyone together and getting it done on a tight budget on a tight shooting schedule, it's it's highly impressive. These guys are on to something big. I think they're really all talented, and I, I wish them all luck, and hopefully we'll be working together in the future, doing lots of great projects together. So it what was, was it like exciting. What was it like to see this on the big screen at the premiere? Fantastic. I, was, I, I knew it was going to be good. I was blown away by the quality, by the acting, by the direction, by the lighting, by the camera, the music. It's, it's fantastic. I, I kind of wish everyone could see it on the big screen as opposed to watching it on the computers or on the television because it's going to start on, I, um, well, it, it's, I guess you've been watching it on, on your computer or television. I don't know. Where do you watch it? Television? You can, uh, well, I watch it on a whole bunch of places. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your computer. And if yeah. for those of you out there who are listening who have not, don't worry. Even though the first episode was released yesterday, you can watch it anytime at winterthorn.com. And... As we've been doing all hour, it is now time for Kathleen to tell us which song she has picked that sort of best sums up her character or best sums up Winterthorn as a whole. We've had some interesting choices so far from the other stars of the show. I can't wait to hear what you've picked, Kathleen. <laughs> well, maybe you've heard a song called Queen Bee. Queen Bee? Queen Bee. I'm not sure that and I have. And Barbara Streisand yeah. sang it. Gotcha. Okay. And why does this, why does this song sort of, um, I mean, clearly Queen Bee, I, I can go by the title alone, but is there anything I, beyond I, I making I sang this song it? years ago. I, I had one woman uh, nightclub act, and I sang this years ago. It's, the black, black widow is sitting in the middle of the web. It's the fly she seeks. You may be her lover, but you never will recover because she ain't had a bite for weeks. It's a great song. It's this dark story about a woman she's a queen bee and she's strong and she's powerful and you're not going to mess with her well we're going to take a listen to that in a moment but before we do that kathleen let everybody know where they can track you down on social media if they want to keep up with all of your goings on i am on twitter it's at gatty tweets g-a-t-i-t-w-e-e-t-s at gatty tweets and on facebook under kathleen gatty that's g-a-t-i Kathleen, spelled like K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N. And between what I post and what all the lovely fans post, I'm like, where did you get that picture when I was five? They find things and they post it and it's adorable. So I have a lot of support from the fans. They post, they help me with my publicity. They're great. That (laughs) makes life so much easier. Kathleen, I want to thank you so much for taking time out to be here for our Winterthorn premiere party. And of course, the door is open, um, spider webs and all, for you to come back anytime you'd like. Well, thank you, and I hope the fans really, you know, have enjoyed the first episode and will keep enjoying the rest of it and just tell everyone to watch it. It's something, it's something very special. 
So something special to watch. Let's now take a listen to Queen Bee, and we'll be back with more of our Winter Thorn from your party in just a moment. Thanks, Dan. The black, black widow is sitting in the middle of the web. It's the fly she seeks. You may be her lover, but you never will recover, cause she ain't had a fight for weeks. You think you're the same, cause you got the same name, but the widow has a mobile home. Remember what I told you, she got eight arms to hold you, and she's never gonna let you roam. She tuck you into bed, her truck on your head, then she'll wrap you as a midnight snack. So if you see a spider, don't you saddle up your side, or why'd you think the widow's wearing black? She's a blue blood and wasp, you know. And just have you do it, she'll inject you with a fluid that you ain't even got for none. You'll meet her on the plane, not, not even first rate. She's gonna feed you to a seven sun. Just like the Queen Bee, baby. Pray that you may be left on the road. Not that you'll give you.
My next guest here on our Winterthorn premiere party is known to viewers as Rex Balsam on One Life to Live, a role he played for about 10 years. Later this year, he'll be introduced to a whole new group of viewers as Philip Kyriakis on Days of Our Lives. And just for added good measure, he plays the role of Hugh Cambridge in Winterthorn. He is John Paul Lavoisier. It has been so long since I've had a chance to talk to you. Thank you so much for making some time here to chat with us on the show today, John Paul. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Lily, we have to start with the fact that you are originally an East Coast boy from right here in the Philadelphia area. How have you adjusted to life on the West Coast? Uh, you know, um, it's, 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 it's difficult. I'm not used to having to get around via a car. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of the few people that actually still walks around. I, I'll, I, I, in fact, actually, when I did, I did a, a, an interview with Martha on her, uh, or on her show, mm-hmm. and it was about four miles from my house, and I walked, and nobody could believe it. Did you and get I the looks? Like when I walk mm-hmm. around, when I walk around out there, people look at me like, "Oh, look at this poor lost soul that doesn't have a car." They, they give you a look out there. Well, yeah. Yes, they do, and you pass a lot of interesting people because the only other people that are walking are very interesting. Um, but I will say, uh, although I haven't quite gotten used to, uh, to having to drive everywhere, uh, I will say that I do enjoy uh, climbing mountains, which uh, I didn't really get to do so much on the East Coast, uh, especially in Manhattan. So every other day I, uh, I-, I climb a-, a mountain called Runyon, and uh, so that's my exercise. So I don't really spend too much time in the gym anymore, um, which I used to on the East Coast. Now I just kind of climb mountains and do push-ups in the dirt. Push-ups in the dirt. That just sounds Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Sounds very gritty. Sounds very back-to-nature back to type of thing. Oh, yeah. I do, I do pull-ups on bars that are not really meant to be pulled up on. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I do, dip, I do dips on tree roots. It's it's fantastic. It, it, so I do that every other day. So okay. that's fun. Well, the real test will be this one. Do you th- have you become one of those folks that moves out west that the idea of snow makes you cry and, and curl up in a ball somewhere and want to hide? No, and in fact, um, uh, very good friends of mine, Billy Warlock and Julie Pinson, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who uh, about a year ago or so they moved to uh, Colorado. And um, I have already visited them once, and I'm very excited to visit them again during the cold season because I, I miss the cold. I still want the snow. I blast the air conditioning all day long in my apartment and just wear a sweater. I'm doing it right now. I'm blasting. I think it said it like 70. I'm so happy. No, I, I am not. I still do not like the hot weather. I wish it was cold. Okay. I miss it. So, yeah. No. Well, it is. I mean, I like golfing. I'm a big golfer. I do, I do enjoy being able to golf, but uh, if it snowed right now, I'd be so happy. <laughs> it would scare the hell out of a whole lot of people out there if it snowed <laughs> right now. <laughs> Actually, well, I wanted, that would be fun. So, fast-forwarding from snow and push-ups in the dirt and visiting people in Colorado, how did you become involved in Winterthorn? I mean, it's sort of a, a good segue talking about snow to Winterthorn. I um I uh, was reached out by I believe it was Sonia, um, uh, gosh I'm, I don't want to mispronounce her last name, 
Um, it's two of us. It's, I know exactly who you mean. I can spell it. I'm just not sure that I can pronounce it, and Sonia will poke me. So we'll just say Sonia. So, so, so Sonia reached out to me with this thing, and, uh, and, um, and I, I, I've known Sonia since I was 21, um, back in New York working with her. So, of course, I said yes. I had done a web series uh, like a couple years ago uh, called Beacon Hill, mm -hmm. and Hillary, Hillary uh, Smith reached out to me uh, for that. So, you know, there's, there's, there's people in my life where it's like, if you ask me to do it, it's like, yeah, of, of course I'll do it for you. And Sonya's one of them. So she reached out, and, and I said yes. And, and uh, I had met Martha, um, I had met Martha once briefly, at an audition when I first moved to LA here. Um, so I don't want to say that I knew her, but I just knew of her. And uh, so it's her Sonia. She just, she, she, she threw me this bone. And um, I said, yeah. So there it is. That's how it happened. You are not uh, a very social media kind of guy. So I don't even know if you're aware of how excited your fan base is, not just for Days of Our Lives, but for Winterthorn, for all of that. So I'm going to give you the opportunity so you don't have to Twitter or text or all that other stuff or Instagram. Uh, give them a message for the folks out there who are really supporting and really excited for you. What's your message to them? Oh, geez. Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess I can just say that there's, there's, there's a lot of people in the world. There's a lot of projects. There's a lot of stuff, so any any seconds of their life that they're going to devote to caring about something I do uh, means a lot. I think that's well so said. Thank you. Um, so you'd mentioned knowing Sonia since you were about 21. Something that I just sort of popped in my head. I'm wondering, has anyone actually told you that your character on Days of Our Lives is really only 20 years old? Wait, wait, really? He was born in 1995. <laughs> now, um, I didn't know that. The only <laughs> that's almost as shocking as the fact that I have a fake left leg. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> Which, um, nobody, no, no, nobody has said. You're, this is the first that I'm hearing of it, Dan. Yeah, 1995. So uh, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know what's going on. Of course, they. <laughs> have some kids that were born just three years ago and they're going to be almost 20 now. So, I mean, it's the way soaps work. We're used to that. Well, wait a second. Hold on, though. Because, but there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kid on the show that I thought was mine that, that, that isn't, but she's like 15. Well, then you were, well, you were very, very active as a five-year-old, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, hold on, so, because there's a there's a there's a character named Claire mm -hmm. that I think I was told uh, when she was born there was a, 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 a chance that it was mine, and somebody lied about it being mine, and it wasn't mine. Now there's some sort of resentment there. Is, is this not true? Am I confused? I here's the I'm I'm looking at the official profiles on SoapCentral.com. Claire <laughs> was born September 27th, 2005. So she's really 10 in the real world. Your okay. character was born in 1995. So you're you know 20 in the real world. So um, I had her when I okay. So I would have been 10. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, I mean, I you know, it. it's only it's acceptable on soaps for a 10-year-old to have a child, I suppose. And if then. <laughs> yeah. 
now. Well, now I know what I get to talk about when I go to work tomorrow. <laughs> hey, I'm 20. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, I don't even know. I mean, if you look at some of the other characters, they're all over the place, sort of, too. But that's, you know, we're willing to uh, forget cool. that, I suppose. Um, if only it could work that way in real life. So let's, talking about a 20-year-old that you're playing that's not going to be 20 on Days of Our Lives, talk to me about Hugh Cambridge. It's probably one of the soapiest names I've heard in quite some time. Hugh Cambridge. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how old he is. And God forbid I even try to guess. <laughs> okay. So other than um, his age, what do we need to know about him? What's uh, what's you know, going he, on in his he's, world? He's kind of the, uh, he, he's sort of, he's the guy that was backburned in somebody's life when he thought he was going to be, he was going to be frontburned the whole mm-hmm. time. And there's, he, he, he <clears throat> sorry, I'm choking on a peanut. He, um, he, um, he feels like he, he, he is owed things and he deserves things because of his upbringing. And whether it's right or wrong, I, I, I don't know how the audience is going to see him. I don't know if they're going to see him as a villain or a hero or I don't know how much compassion they're going to have. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the footage. And I did not read the entire script of the show. Um, so judging by the, the premiere, uh, the stuff that I saw, I have a feeling they might look at him as a villain, um, simply because of his his attire, his look. He's very woodsy. They, my hair was long at the time. They didn't cut it, which I which I was happy about because I liked it. I had scruff. So usually, you know, with against Michael Caruso, who's who's really sort of proper and clean compared to me, um, I'm probably going to come off as evil. But I I don't. I try to play it down the middle, um, and it, it, it is a very violent scene uh, that I'm involved in, um, but he just, he just feels, he's, he's got this childlike uh, thing inside him that feels like he is deserved what he always thought he had coming to him growing up, hmm. and he doesn't, it's not coming to him and he feels uh, betrayed. Do you think deep down somewhere he has a song within in him? Because, you know, we are asking all of you to sort of pick a song that you think maybe best identifies the character or their story or Winterthorne as a whole. There are Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Really? No. no. Um, <laughs> nobody is going to know this song. Nobody in the world is going to know this song, probably. But there is a song that I've been thinking about songs a lot. And, 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 and I was like, well, do I want to think of something that everyone's going to know? Anyway, there's a song called The Idea of You by Dave Matthews. Um, so it, it's, 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 yeah, silence because you don't know what I'm saying. No, um, I, don't, I know Dave <laughs> Matthews. I know that, that uh, not necessarily the idea of you. I'll have to learn more about the idea of this song. I, after I, 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 I don't think, I don't think it was ever officially released on any studio album. He plays it live sometimes. So any, any, uh, any copy that anybody can find, you're probably going to hear audience cheering in the background. Um, cause it was from a live recording. It's called the idea of you. And it's about this, it's about this young kid who sees, uh, who, who, who has an infatuation with a young girl and, but he doesn't want to bother her, but he, he can't shake his feelings for her. And he feels like he, you know, he really wants to be with her. He really wants to be together with her. But, um, 
and he's just talking about this this idea of you that I have, this idea of us, the idea of being with you. I'm a little, I'm a young kid, you're a young girl, and you know, I watch you from afar, kind of thing. And so that's that's that. Okay, so f- yeah. in the event that we're not able to find this very very random song that may or may not exist, did you have a backup song oh, other it, than Party oh, in the USA? Oh, it exists. Um, <laughs> um, you're going to find it probably on the Fenway Park album, right. track number, track number four. There's a, there's an, it's called the Fenway Park album, live tracks by Dave Matthews. Perfect. But in case, yeah, but in case you, in case you can't find it, um, I don't know. Oh, how about this? Uh, Do You Remember by Phil Collins. Okay, wow. That I've got. <laughs> oh, you do? I do. Um, that's, uh, that's sort of like, you know, he's singing about, uh, uh, the, the past and that we used to have something sort of but uh, you've moved on and I don't know if you remember but do you remember and here's things that that we could have in the future but probably not so there's that do you remember by Phil Collins I like both of them the, I, well, one yeah. that I'm going to find out and listen because I do like Dave Matthews one Phil Collins go back to some great songs here we are just about out of time for this segment, but I figure, you know, I don't know how people would track you down if they need to. Everyone else, I give them the chance to give their social media websites. So where can people not find you? How about that? Is that easier? Well, you can, you can find me at Runyon Canyon Park every other day. <laughs> you can find me at Trader Joe's on La Cienega. <laughs> there you have it. That's how we can find you. I want to thank you so much for making some time here to, uh, you know, reminisce about Philadelphia and the snow and talk about Winterthorn and all that great stuff. Thank you. You're welcome. In the meantime, let's take a listen to John Paul Lavoisier's song that he feels is the best representation of his Winterthorn character. So long, you know you say, like a ghost you know to me, babe. Combat boots make you look slick But oh no, I see you walking home from school You've got so mouse all the way You got me feeling like a kid But this man is no kid, you know So I'm not gonna pull your hair
Our next party guest for our Winterthorn premiere party has quite an impressive resume. Daytime fans may know that he's appeared on Ryan's Hope, The Young and the Restless, Passions, Santa Barbara, Sunset Beach, Days of Our Lives, and perhaps more importantly, he played the role of Adam Carrington on Dynasty. He appears as, I love saying this, Maximilian Winterthorn. In Winterthorn. We'll see if I said it properly. In real life, though, he is Gordon Thompson. Gordon Maximilian Winterthorn. Am I right? Am I close? Is it? I'm a, yes, Maximilian Winterthorn. It's the most, it's, I think it's the grandest name I have ever played. And I played some very grand people. I've been lucky enough in my life. No, Maximilian Winterthorn is without question the grandest name I've ever had as an actor. So is he the kind of guy, and we'll talk more about him coming up, is he the kind of guy who, you know, you can call him Max and get away with it, or must we call him by his full, many-lettered name? Oh, Max, by all means, oh, Max. Okay. Great. Um, so now, in, in researching you and coming up with stuff, I've got to tell you, I really have one pressing question that probably isn't a pressing question, but it's, <laughs> but it's pressing to me. So if you're game, I have to ask it. I'm at your service, man. Okay. Come on, man. You appeared in, in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Were you the killer? Do you know something? I suffer from a, a condition you may be familiar with called CRS, um, which is, can't remember, you can fill in the blank. <laughs> and this is, and truly I do. So Murder, She Wrote, sadly, Ms. Lansers, Lansbury was not around the episode I did. Um, and it was one of those things that everybody with any kind of profile at all in those days, did. I don't know how many episodes there were. I don't remember if I... I doubt very much if he was the killer. I think it would have been far too obvious, frankly. But I don't think so. If anybody out there listening knows or remembers who doesn't have the kind of CRS I do, please let Dan know, and Dan will tell me. If, so let's, let's do a hypothetical then. If you were to be a killer on Murder, She Wrote, what would have been your, I don't know method of choice are you the poison jelly at um amos tupper's inn or are you more like a crowbar i'm just curious you are not you have not a very happy mind do you <laughs> it's boy you know it's, I, well, adam tried to kill jeff with poisoned paint okay that's if fine. you remember and that was actually based on to my astonishment a true story i've forgotten what, where it came from but if anybody's interested that actually was based on something that truly happened sometime in some U.S. embassy or somewhere around. Truly, it did happen. So wow. there's nothing, I suppose, that is completely out to lunch and weird about the method of killing. How I would want to kill. Well, first of all, I'm a I'm not a killer. Of course. I'm a pacifist. I know. I'm just I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Hamlet. What's it? Ham, Hamlet killed. He stabbed that boring old Polonius behind the arras, probably a knife, okay. I think, because I'm, I've got a very Shakespearean cast of mind, because um, I've done some, not enough, but I've done some. That's how I began my career, actually, at the Stratford Festival in Canada, and that's where I learned that I could act, and I learned how to do the job, lucky me. No, I think something Shakespearean, so I don't think I would involve guns. That's, that's traditional. Mentioning Canada, also, you know, my mind is sort of stream of consciousness. I say whatever sort of pops into my head, even though I'm okay. prepared for other things. I really like Canada. I had, a very, had very nice experiences there. That's yes. All. 
That's it. Okay. <laughs> Very <laughs> glad to hear it. You know, I'm, thinking, just... I'm thinking of going back because they have socialized medicine. You don't have to be afraid to become bankrupt or whatever if you have an illness or have an accident. And this, and this country is just beginning along that road. It's the only country, as you know, in the Western civilized world without socialized medicine, which is insane, in my opinion. That's one of Canada's huge attractions for me. Sometimes we're a little slow on the uptake here. Eventually, maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, we do catch up. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope so. You, everybody here deserves it. Everybody. We were, you know, a little bit ahead of the curve on, uh, uh, the curve on breaking away from Great Britain, but, you know, tomato, tomato. So, <laughs> And I do say tomato, by the way. I, then we will say tomato for the rest of the interview. No, we, no, no, you don't need to. That's just me. Oh, okay. be, be yourself. Please be yourself. I will be, That's one of the rules in life. I will be an East Coast tomato. All right, we'll talk tomato here. <laughs> okay. We are, of course, in celebrating Winterthorn. The first episode premiered yes. online last night, winterthorn.com. It's where everyone can go. So if you've been listening to this show for the past oh, about hour or so and haven't checked it out, there's really no reason not to. We're going to find out some of what Gordon thinks of Winterthorn. But first, I'm sure everyone wants to know, how did you become involved in this project? We've heard some really interesting stories so far this hour. Well, I've been, I was very lucky. Um, I, Michael introduced himself to me, Michael Caruso, who wrote and produced and stars in the show. Um, Michael is an extraordinarily imaginative, um, energetic individual mm-hmm. uh, with a really high IQ, which is always satisfying. Um, he approached me to play Preston Regis in his first online series, which was called The Vanity, and he wanted to know if I wanted to play a good guy or a bad guy, and I said bad guys, because it's much more fun to do. And that's how it began, and that was three just over three years ago. And since then, we've maintained contact. We've become good friends. And when Winterthorn was being put together in his mind over, I think, the last two or three years, I'm guessing, because um, he things simmer for a long time, um, he had me in mind to play Maximilian, I think, from almost from the inception, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Again, I'm very lucky because Michael is a scholar um, and, and a researcher of the highest order when it comes to television history, soap opera history, and he, he was born, I think, the year Dynasty went on the air. So that's how old I am and how young he is. Um, but he, but he, he knew, he knows far more about Dynasty than I, I do. I, I, I forget, as I say, CRS has kicked in. But Michael knows all that stuff, and he approached me. We had lunch with his wonderful wife, Barbie, who is Michael's right arm, rock, mm-hmm. Gibraltar, you name it. You've met her. You know her. She's the best. And um, that's how it began. I, I, I was just very lucky that he sought me out. Fun fact. He also really likes bacon. He likes bacon? Yeah. Fun fact. So just, you know. Throwing well, that is a bit, well, now, do you mean the essayist, or do you mean the pork product? <laughs> I mean the pork product. We have, we're not quite that existential here on the show. but Why not, for God's sake? Bacon was a great goddamn writer, okay? And I happen to like bacon myself. So both both sorts, tomato and tomato, okay? And not the Canadian type of bacon, the plain, normal, well, American. That's Canadian bacon, come on. 
So no, I do like just basic smoked, you know, bacon, you know, that you can get at Ralph's or whatever. Yes, that's my idea of bacon. Shout out to Ralph's. So now tell us about your character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> tell us about Maximilian. Uh, you know, we've we've only gotten to know bits and pieces of the characters through the first episode. So give right, us give right. us a rundown. Give us sort of what goes on on his in his mind and so I uh, think like that. you've seen the only really violent thing he does. I think, and if you haven't, then I've then you've got to wait for the next episode. Mm-hmm. He does only one actually violent act. You know, no, you haven't seen it yet. I don't think you have. No, you haven't. Okay. Mm. Uh, Max actually was a very nice departure from the stereotype I appear to have fallen into in this country when I arrived. Adam was the first truly unpleasant man I've ever played. But people assume, because I did it so well, <laughs> that's what I did for a living. <laughs> well, um, Max is not that. Max is not a, not a patriarch, because this is a matriarchal society, as I'm sure you're aware. But he is the paterfamilias, the father of the family, not the patriarch. Um, so he is the loins from which spring the current Winterthorn clan. Um, and his daughter, Miranda, played by the wonderful Martha Madison. Um, they're very close. Uh, he adores her. Um, he uh, has lost his wife, played by the uh, equally gorgeous Linda Gray. God, she's quite something. Yeah. Um, as you know, uh, it was just a big treat to finally meet her on the red carpet um, all those weeks ago. Um, it, it, Max is, he's nothing, nothing really defines Max, except that he's round as a character. There are a lot of facets. He is a very good parent, he is smart, he's very compassionate, and he loves his family to the nth degree. He would do anything for them. That's, and also, he's quite funny. Let's quite talk funny. about the red carpet. I mean, a big red carpet premiere out there in the wonderful Los Angeles area. Talk to me about walking the red carpet and having a big red carpet for Winterthorn. It's kind of a big deal. It's a huge deal. And in my... In my Life again, Dynasty particularly, um, and the Golden Globes and all the all those stuff. The things actors do when they are lucky enough to be in a successful series, and a lot of red carpets went by. And it's been it had been a while since I was on a quote unquote red carpet. This was a very nice one. Um, first of all, Michael inspires a lot of loyalty and interest. Uh, people respect him and admire what his ambitions are and his intentions and the results of his hard work, and people know this. So people in the press respond to him very positively. Uh, There were a number of news uh, crews there, entertainment news crews, um, and a lot of photographers. And there uh, there is a red carpet. We were shielded from the sun, thank God. Uh, (laughs) Otherwise, we would have melted. I think all of us would have melted. (laughs) Jesus, it was hot. Um, But it was a lot of fun, and it was was old-fashioned Hollywood hoopla. And uh, it really was old-fashioned, and it worked a charm, because that is where Michael's mind is as well. He's very fond of glamour, as you will know, having seen the first show. We all look pretty goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's a luscious looking show, and it was a it was a, a it was a treat and a half to sit in the theater and watch 
may I tell you, after doing all the march, walking up and down and smiling endlessly and, you know, your cheeks start to hurt after a while and you suffer from charm overload and you want to go back and, you know, hit a puppy or something, but you can't. <laughs> so, you know, th- th- that's how, it's, it's a demanding experience. And I would imagine everybody you've talked to, either they said that or they're thinking they're thinking it. It's a very demanding thing to do. I would like to reassure everyone out there that no puppies were harmed in the course of today's show. Are you sure? Well, I I mean, I don't (laughs) see any around here. No, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't. Are you kidding? Barbie Caruso, (laughs) who also does the town, who is Michael's second half, better half, you name it. Um, Barbie Caruso's crusade is on behalf of animals. So, no, I, I, I myself would be stabbed behind the arras like Polonius if I ever did such a thing, trust me. Well, we've already then narrowed down her murder, she wrote, whodunit method. But <laughs> I have been asking folks all hour long yes, to give me the name of a song that they feel best sums up their character, the show, whatever it is. I know that you have been forewarned, or at least you should have been. So, Gordon I Thompson... Was. I what was. song have you selected? There are actually there are two. There were three initially. The first one I thought was a little bombastic because Don Quixote Maximilian is not. The song was to dream the impossible dream. So scrap that. It's in the ballpark, sort of, but no. Then I thought, do you know a show called The Fantastics? I do. You do. Well, the most famous song from that show was a song called Try to Remember, which is an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous song. Uh, And I think that's the one I'm going to stick with. And if you want a bar or two, here goes. Try to remember the kind of September when grass was green and grain was yellow. Try to remember the kind of September when life was slow and oh so mellow. Try to remember the kind of September when you were a tender and a callow fellow. Try to remember and if you remember, then follow. We don't have a s- applause sound effects, but I'm clapping for real. And normally we would play a sound clip, but that's even better. And it's ironic that you pick Try to Remember. We'll find out why you picked that. Because we started okay. off talking about the fact that you can't remember anything. So, <laughs> why Try to Remember? Why does that make you think of, of either your character or of Winterthorne in general? Because of the last um, verse. Deep in December, our hearts should remember and follow. Deep in, Maximilian is in the December of his life. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look it, but he is. And he is like he, the tribal leader. And he's in, he in, tries to invite his family to remember their history, um, to take courage and strength from their history. And that, I think, without, I don't think I'm reading too much into that song. It's such a glorious score anyway. I played the boy in the Fantastics 175,000 years ago, um, and I had a great time. It wasn't a very well-done production, but it was a treat and a half. But it's, it, that, the song has huge resonance 
I think for anybody who's ever seen the show, and it ran for something like <laughs> 40 years <laughs> off Broadway, uh, so most people have seen some version of it, and the song became a quasi-hit, I think, didn't it? I don't remember. I, that I don't remember. But it has a lot of resonance for most people, so, and that's why. And uh, it, 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 it's the, it's the winter time of Max's life, mm. looking back and inviting his family to be aware of and appreciate their history. That's basically it. Well, if it's the winter of his life, I can't wait to find out who is the thorn in his life. Now, <laughs> 175,000 years ago, we probably didn't have all the social medias and the Twitters and things like that. Gordon, yes. is there a way that if fans want to, you know, keep up with your shenanigans that they can find you online or other ways? I have to say I'm a true Neanderthal. I am, and I'm a Luddite. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, look it up. It, that's what I am, is L-U-D-D-I-T-E. I have no time for social media, I'm afraid. Um, I don't have the energy for it. I think iPhones should be banned from every moving vehicle for life. You can carry them with you, leave them at home, in your office, whatever. Don't take them into your car, because if you do that, you're going to pay attention to your life that's in your palm, and you're going to miss the light, miss the turn, screw up the lane change. Don't do it, and you'll maybe avoid the taser I intend to buy to fire at you. No, I, I, I don't do social media, so I'm afraid uh, probably the best thing to do, seriously, is to pay attention to Michael Caruso. I think Michael's very active online. He's a tech, he's technophile. He's a brilliant man in so many ways, including technically. Gordon is not. Gordon is twice Michael's age, and he enjoys it. He'd be happy to deal with a piece of parchment and a quill pen to communicate, and that's the <laughs> truth. Well, even though you have no time for social media, I am so glad that you had time to chat with me here today on the show. Gordon, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. I had a very good time. And with that, we are at the end of this week's special Winterthorn premiere kickoff party here on Kroll Call. I want to thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoyed this week's special episode. If you have not yet checked out Winterthorn, well, what are you waiting for? Head over to winterthorn.com. That is the place that you can watch all of the episodes of Winterthorn as they are released completely for free. Again, that's at winterthorn.com. And new episodes of Kroll Call are available every Friday. We're live at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific at krollcall.com and on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. If you'd like to listen to some of our other shows, there are now almost 300 of them. They are available for free in our archives at krollcall.com. You can also Download the podcast versions from iTunes. Search for Kroll Call. It's completely free. And while you're on iTunes, you can download some of the great songs that you heard in today's show. And speaking of songs, no one, no one, no one picked a song that had anything to do with candy. And we secretly suspected that everyone's song would have something to do with candy. So I think I have to pick a song that makes me think of Winterthorn. It'll be our last song of the episode. And it has to be Sammy Davis Jr., the candy man. So the next time the phone rings, remember, pick it up. It could be 
The Kroll Call with some candy. <laughs> Let's take a listen to The Candy Man, and we will see you back here next time. All right, everybody, gather around. The Candy Man is here. Now, what kind of candy do you want? Sweet chocolate, chocolate malt, candy, gumdrops, anything you want. You've come to the right man because I'm the Candy Man. Who can take a sunrise? Who can take a sunrise? Sprinkle it with you. Sprinkle it with you. Cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. The Candy Man. Ooh, the candy man can The candy man can The candy man can Cause he mixes it with love And makes the world taste good Makes the world taste good uh, Who can take a rainbow Who can take a rainbow Wrap it in a side Wrap it in a side Soak it in the sun And make a groovy lemon pie The candy man The candy man The candy man can the candy man can Cause he mixes it with love And makes the world taste good Makes the world taste good The candy man makes Everything he bakes Satisfying and delicious Now you talk about Your childhood wishes You can even eat The dishes Oh, who can take tomorrow Candy man, the candy man. Oh, the candy man can. The candy man can. The candy man can, cause he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Man.